Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. It's Josh Horowitz here coming at you from the confines of my wonderful little apartment in New York City. Uh, apologies for the delay, guys. Uh, we got off to a really cool start on this podcast uh, in the last month with a bunch of cool episodes. And then I had to take a little break because MTV Movie Awards is an overwhelming experience. Uh, just this past Sunday... Um, I got a chance to be out in LA and co-host the pre-show and do backstage interviews. And it's, uh, it's always an awesome time, but also frankly, it's a crazy busy time. I hope you guys checked out what we were up to on MTV and enjoyed the awards and enjoyed all our shenanigans. Uh, check them out on MTV.com. All the videos are up there of my backstage conversations with the likes of Zac Efron and Channing Tatum and, uh, Josh Hutcherson and everybody and anybody. It was a lot of fun, uh, but kind of exhausting in the best possible way. But the good news is I'm back home in New York, and the Tribeca Film Festival is underway, which means loads of cool people are in town, and strolling by the MTV offices in Times Square, including... Damn it, this is a cool one. (laughs) Patrick Stewart came into my office today uh, in Times Square. Patrick is somebody that I have been trying to get to come in for an interview, for a comedic bit for After Hours, for anything and everything for so long. And it was such a thrill to have him in today uh, for what was just an awesome conversation. We talked for about 50 minutes, 5-0, about his new film, which is debuting at the Tribeca Film Festival. As I tape this on Thursday night, it's debuting Friday night at the festival. It's called Match, and it's a really good film uh, starring him and Carlo Gugino and Matthew Lillard. And uh, we talk all about this this really cool kind of uh, dramatic piece from Patrick, as well as a slew of other stuff. Yes, we talk X-Men. Yes, we talk Star Trek. There's a lot of funny stuff in here. He does accents and has amazing stories, and he's he's kind of everything you would hope Patrick Stewart would be. So um, I'm going to let the interview um, speak for itself and let you guys hear it and enjoy it. Uh, this was a really special treat, and I'm thrilled to share it with you guys. As always, hit me up on Twitter at uh, Joshua Horowitz. Check out all our cool stuff on MTV.com uh, and AfterHours.MTV.com. And uh, keep on listening. And rate this podcast, by the way. Subscribe to it on iTunes. Tell us what you think. Give it a few stars. Give us all the stars and review it and spread the word. Uh, We're having a lot of fun with it and hope you guys are enjoying it as well. Here he is, the awesome Patrick Stewart. Thank you again so much for stopping by the the pluses and minuses that is Times Square in New York City. I appreciate it. We've talked about that. I'm delighted because this is my first opportunity to talk about Match and uh, how I feel about it, and of course also to hear something of what you feel about it, because you've seen it, and yes. you're one of the handful of people who have. I, feel, I mean, a really a handful. I feel privileged. It's a, it's a great piece of work. It's, uh, this, as we take this today, uh, this is um, premiering at Tribeca, which is an honor in and of itself, and it's, uh, it, it's a great acting piece for both you and Carla and Matthew. It's really a three-hander of a film. It is. It's an ensemble piece, and uh, it just so happens that I seem to do a lot of talking in this film. 
Um, <laughs> but good quality talking, that's what makes it worthwhile. Definitely. So what, what is the source? I'm just curious because, like, it, 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 I mean, obviously it, it works as a film, but also watching it, um, it feels like it could be an excellent stage piece as well. Was there ever, was it derived from any other source material? It was. Okay. You're very sensitive. <laughs> well, my job. <laughs> uh, it was a stage play. Okay. Um, a Tony-winning stage play um, by the director, Stephen Belber, and uh, Frank Langella played yes. Toby on the stage, I think about 11 years ago. Gotcha. Um, and Stephen himself did the adaptation into a screenplay, and it's it's... It's really nice that you only suspect that it might have had a history with its feet on the boards right. because it had, but it's also one of those issues with, with uh, stage plays that, that, that they, you, you can feel the set and the, th and the walls and the conventions of theatre. Exactly. And, but then the, the temptation is sometimes to so blow those apart that you lose some of the qualities right. that, that made it a, a, an interesting piece of work. In this case, a certain, a certain claustrophobia in that apartment because, except for once spectacularly, we don't leave that apartment. Right. And, uh, and it's, uh, it, it, you might say it's three people talking in a room and it, it is a, a, about dialogue right. and exchanges, but the dialogue is not always about what it seems to be about, exactly. which is always, I, I have always found that an intriguing part of, of any movie, when in fact you're only getting part of the story. Right. And either you have to work it out or else you wait for the characters to, to work it to out. To realize <laughs> that Catch something up. is wrong here. <laughs> so uh, we don't want to give the whole kid and caboodle away, but um, the character he plays Toby, who's a choreographer in the city. Uh, basically, um, a couple comes to do ostensibly an interview. Some secrets of the past are revealed. I mean, a, a couple things that are, that are interesting to me is this character, very set in his ways, has a routine. Um, comfortable where he is. I mean, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, I feel like, generally speaking, we, we, we learn, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in your own experience, that our lives kind of get more predictable and staid as we age. We fall into patterns. Mm -hmm. Relating to your own life, I feel like you're going in the opposite direction. The last <laughs> couple of years, you've obviously gotten married. Congratulations on that. And, uh, and just there's newer and newer things to your life, obviously becoming a New Yorker. Has that surprised you, and can you relate that a little bit to the, to the character? It has surprised me, yes, because 10, 11 years ago, I left California, L.A., after 17 years of being a resident and imagining that I would spend the rest of my life, perhaps in Southern California. Right. But then uh, things came up, some work-related things, some social things, and I saw an opportunity to to get out the back door. Right. Um, not that I'm aware California has a back door. <laughs> it has a back door for getting into, but maybe not a back door for getting out of. Exactly. And and I took it. And when I took it, and when I found this house, which is still my UK home, um, in the countryside, very bucolic, nothing but agricultural land all around me. And I thought, this is it. Yeah. I can. In fact, I remember when I saw this house with the realtor, as I drove away, I had a completely non-morbid thought, which was, 
I can die in this house. Well, with contentment and... <laughs> yeah, I found the place where I would be happy to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, so what happens now? I live in Parksville, Brooklyn, <laughs> and um, I'm newly married. Right. And I, I have acquired another family, my, my wife's family, who are fantastic, who are from Reno, Nevada. Yeah. And so when we go to visit them, we don't just you know, go to Connecticut or upstate. No, we, we, we fly to Reno and, and we go out in the country and we right. ride and we ski. And uh, yeah, I became a skier four years ago at the age of 69. I mean, I, I am told a pretty good skill. <laughs> You're not on the green bunny slopes? You're no, I, I always, every time I go back, I start out there. I say, listen, you've got to leave me for 15 minutes because <laughs> I'm just going to go back and see if I remember. Right. And, and then, of course, you do. And uh, I, I, I love it. I've taken to it. And I ride with them. And, right. uh, I mean, hence these boots oh, that I have to show you because very the first day I went riding with them, uh, I got my sneakers on. I've ridden for years. And they said, what are you wearing? And I said, well, what I always wear when I ride. I, I ride in sneakers. <laughs> and they said, not in Nevada. <laughs> ride in sneakers. So they, they hauled me off. So now I'm a, I'm a cowboy boot wearing Brooklyner. Amazing. <laughs> when I thought that 12 years ago I was just going to settle deeply into the English countryside and, um, you know, watch soccer. So, so, so what, do you, what, what accounts for this? I mean, besides I mean, I, meeting a, a lovely a woman, is that, is that, well, is that probably the, the biggest factor of opening uh, uh, up your world a bit? It's why I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, she had lived there for six years when I met her, five years, and loved it and didn't want to leave. And over the time that we were getting to know one another, I began to fall in love with the place. I'm, I, I never was a big city kid. I grew up in a, in a very small, 9,000 population town right. in, the, in the industrial part of the north of England. And uh, I hardly ever went to London. And I went to, my training was done in Bristol, beautiful uh, but provincial city. Right. And I never felt at home in London, not for years. Funnily enough, New York always had a more of an appeal to me than London had. Um, and... So what I found in Brooklyn was a, 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 if I say provincial, provincial, it'll sound pejorative, and I don't mean it to no, be yeah. pejorative at all, but I am part of a community. Yes. Um, and, you know, I know the names of my neighbors. I know the I, people in the market on the corner. I, I know the people in my hardware store. Uh, an illustration of this was that after we'd opened our two plays in rep, uh, six months ago, yeah. I went into the hardware store one morning, and they said, oh, we, we read all your reviews, congratulations. And I said, you mean you read the New York Times? No, we read all of them. They're fantastic, congratulations. <laughs> well, I can't think of any other place where I've ever been where that might happen, and that was my phone. Yeah. Your neighbor is probably uh, hitting you up right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I am about to disable. No worries. Um, but, it's, so, in, so, just to return to match, yeah. if I can. Um, uh, yeah, all, all this new stuff, including more exposure to comedy than I've ever had in my life before, which right. I, I've been enjoying perhaps along with my marriage uh, as, uh, as much as anything. Um, and one of the one of the charms for me about match was that, that Toby is funny. He has a, he has a somewhat caustic sense of humor and a yes. rather shocking and surprising sense of humor at times. But um, he chooses to live in a corner of New 
of Manhattan that not many Manhattaners know, I would imagine, right. Inwood. Exactly. I mean, you ask, you go out on the street and say, where's Inwood? And the chances are that they wouldn't tell you, well, you get on the subway and you go to Inwood. You know. If you ask them where the cloisters is, they would get some idea maybe right. where Inwood. So he lives in this small community in a part of northern Manhattan. And actually, if I can correct you, um, he, he, he no longer directs ballet for opera, which he did as a career. Right. He was a dancer, got an injury, ended his career, and he went into choreography, specifically for opera. No, he's a, a teacher, right. a, um, a distinguished and important classical ballet teacher at Juilliard. So there's another New York strand as well. And exactly. The movie opens with a, a sequence that, I, I have to confess, I have watched over and over again because it's, it's Toby taking a class and we have the young people, uh, uh, third year students, at uh, uh, Juilliard, dance students. Actual who, students from Juilliard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're, uh, they, they are sensational. And, of course, I got to spend a whole morning watching them work while I walked around and, you know. It's, it's a great sequence also because it's, it's the only opportunity that we're, re we're able to see him in his elements. Yeah. And, and you sell it, and obviously, they're, they're, like any job and craft, there's the particular language of the job that, you know, 30% of it is lost on lay people like myself, but it feels authentic and it, mm. and it sells the rest of the film. I, I hope it looks authentic. Um, my character is actually based on someone who has like that. I don't want to be too specific because sure. you may not wish to be identified. But uh, it meant that I had an open invitation to uh, go as an observer into class at Juilliard pretty much whenever I wanted. And so I, w I watched these young people going through the most intense rigorous discipline. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I heard, I heard the teacher say, okay, kids, we've got to take a break. And I thought, great, that's fantastic. I'll go across to Starbucks and get a coffee. This break was one minute long. <laughs> and they were, they were back at the bar. <laughs> um, so you get a taste of what Toby does, yeah. how much he loves it, how much it means to him. In fact, that it, it is his life. And it identifies who he is, that work. So when these two people show up, and at first, apparently, in a completely authentic and pleasant way, want to ask him questions, um, uh, he talks about his job with passion and enthusiasm and, and good humor yeah. until it goes wrong. Right. There's a there's some some great moments in the film, particularly where things get a little more tense. Where um, you know Toby's a character that doesn't, I guess, like to look back perhaps too much, and 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 he's taken to task for some choices he's made by yeah. uh, particularly Matthew Lillard's character. And I'm just curious, like moments where a character is in your face, another actor is in your face, and indicting you, the character rather, for mistakes you've made mm -hmm. and choices you've made. Do you get? I mean, do you get lost in a moment like that when the acting is, is working and and some of the dialogue you could probably apply to your own life in certain ways? Oh, certainly. But when you're in a situation like that with an actor like Matthew Lillard, you pay attention yeah. because he's intimidating. Yeah, big uh, guy. Uh, he's a big <laughs> guy. He has a level of intensity that is, uh, you know, right up there. It's it's ninety nine percent and. Um, but but furthermore, uh, Matt Matt 
completely loses himself in what he's doing. So, I mean, I, I, there's a moment in the movie when I flinch, and I remember I flinched because I thought he was going I thought he was going to wipe me out. But um, it, it, it's, uh, but working with people like that and with Carla, Carla Gugino, who gives an extraordinary yeah. movie. There's a point in the film, I watched it with people, when I always keep an eye on them, and I see the tears go bang, like that, start yeah. out. It's exactly the same moment when Carla does something. And, um, and so the three of us were in this apartment, not in Inwood, as it happened. Um, but in, shot in New York, presumably. Oh, yes, yes, yes it's okay. absolutely shot in New York now. But uh, Inwood was not an option. Right. And uh, given that I live in Brooklyn, I was really grateful <laughs> for that. For that. Um, and, uh, uh, and being directed by the author, uh, which is not always... In fact, I was speaking with a colleague I ran into, in all places, Granada, Spain, hmm. three days ago, who said, uh, I'm doing a movie here, and... It's, uh, it's an author, director, and uh, he doesn't want to change a thing and doesn't right. want to talk about it. Really, and he can be. Usually, it's terrific because you have either the man there to talk about what you don't understand or listen to uh, ideas that you have that, that would loosen something up or change sure. it or deepen it or whatever. And in this case, that was how it was with Stephen. I'm, I'm curious also, like, the, the, uh, what's pleasurable to this, and uh, one of the many pleasures of something like this, is to see you on the big screen in something that, while well, I adore the genre affair, if we want to categorize it as that, the X-Men and the, and the Star Trek movies, etc. Frankly, in, in recent years, I feel like you've concentrated a lot on brilliant stage work. And I feel like, I mean, do you feel like the, the better, the parts with more range for you, in particular in the last decade, have come on the stage? And has it been difficult to find, again, outside of Professor X, etc., interesting work in film? Absolutely, yeah. And why is that? I mean, what do um, you account for that? When I returned to England, as I mentioned, 10, 12 years ago, I didn't know if I could kickstart my stage career, which I had virtually abandoned for 17 years. Mm. Um, and for six months it looked like it wasn't going to happen, and I was beginning to regret having sold my house in Pacific Palisades. And then, the, 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 as they have done in the past, the Royal Shakespeare Company held out their hand and said, hey, why don't you come up to Stratford and uh, do Antony and Cleopatra and The Tempest? And uh, I took those invitations, and I remember... We opened that season with Anthony and Cleopatra, and in this production, Anthony was the first character to appear on stage. He's not in the play, but we we tweaked the beginning a right. little bit. Well, like all opening nights, they always go up late, but they still call you down. So I'm standing alone um, behind some doors because I make an entrance where nobody else could be there with time to think. And what I began to think was... I know exactly what the reviews are going to say tomorrow morning, which basically would be, who the hell does he think he is? You think 17 years doing television and film in Hollywood is enough of a preparation for coming back to the Royal Shakespeare Company and playing Anthony in a clubhouse? No, it's not. Get some time, Stuart. <laughs> um, and was that was that come to pass? Were the reviews uh, some, somewhat uh, like that? The reviews were wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, and it was... It was the start of this marvelous uh, eight years mm. of, of stage role after stage role after stage role, and I was able to cement 
that because that had always been my life. Ingvar Bergman was once asked about, you know, uh, directing movies or directing theatre because he had his own theatre company sure. in Stockholm. And he said, uh, I love the cinema, but the theatre is my life. And it's a kind of banal answer when I repeat what he said, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. But I've, I, I'm now hoping that, that having had a, a big, culminating in these, these uh, five months on Broadway with Ian McKellen and, and uh, Billy Crudup and Shula Hensley, that I can now um, do the same with movies. So I'm looking for projects, right. and, and they are beginning to appear that do not have their roots in space <laughs> or 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 um, you know um, or something uh, time with, with, with six or, panels on a page or uh, exactly <laughs> as much as we exactly. both love them. Yeah, there's room for everything. And and you know I have no reason to be anything but terrifically grateful yes. both for of course, Next Generation and, and X-Men. Um, they, uh, Next Generation, changed my life and every area of my life, and I would, not, I would not alter, even though I was told that it would only be one season and then it would be cancelled. Guaranteed, everybody. You know, what, what, uh, what uh, Goldman said about in Hollywood, nobody knows anything right. about anything. Right. Um, well, I was told, don't worry about signing a six-year contract. <laughs> you know, you, you'd be lucky to make it through the first season. You can't revive an iconic series like that. Here's and my, uh, seven years later. My one Star Trek question, why did they not just make don't it? Don't ask me anything technical. <laughs> Please don't ask me what a, a, a warp core breach is because I don't know. Why do the tribbles go? No. Um, <laughs> why didn't they just make it British the first day? Jean-Luc Picard, why? why uh, it's an easy fix. Just change the name the first I mean, it's not like it was any, any, any detriment to the character either way. But I never asked Gene that question, and now I can't. Um, but, of course, there was a Picard who was a, a, a French um, explorer. Right. He, he, uh, he was one of the first people to develop, I think they call it the bathosphere or bathosphere. It was a, a, a big ball that he <laughs> went down into the ocean in. He's crazy. Amazing. Um, and he was, uh, he was very, very adventurous. Also a, a bit of an astronomer, too. Mm. Um, there is somewhere buried in the uh, vaults at Paramount Pictures um, a, a piece of film of me uh, doing a scene from the pilot episode before we started shooting it with a French accent. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> How was your French accent? You want to hear it? Yeah. Space, <laughs> the final frontier. <laughs> These are the stories of this starship. And, well, I sound like Peter Sellers. <laughs> um, in fact, worse than Peter Sellers. Make yeah. it so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now that word does lend itself right. to the French. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, and they sat, and finally, this this taping just ended in, in gales of laughter. Everyone's saying, "Forget it." <laughs> we had a deal. Uh, I had a deal with Gene that I could use my own accent, but technical words. I mean, for instance, um, although they made one big concession that we call data data and not data. Right. That would have been, can you imagine <laughs> seven years calling him data? Um, although every now and again I used to manage to write in the line, do your duty, Mr. Data. And, uh, <laughs> Just to amuse yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, and, and uh, uh, 
recognizable technical terms right. would have an American pronunciation. Other than that, it's like Gene was asked in his first press conference when the new series and the casting were right. announced. They said to him, um, I mean, you've got a bald guy playing the captain of the Enterprise. Surely, by the 24th century, male pattern baldness will have been cured. And Gene said, by the 24th century, nobody will care. And of course, you see the way things are going now. He, he was, was ahead of his time in so many respects. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he absolutely was. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was some, I think, uh, uh, not to choose too hard a word, disgust and horror, that um, th th there wasn't an American actor right. sitting in the captain's chair. But then there had never been an American actor Canadian, right? sitting Mr. in the Shatner. captain's chair. That's yeah. right. Um, how surprised were you to get the call, uh, what, probably a year or so ago from, from Brian that you were going to be doing Professor X at least one more time? There had been murmurs. Yeah. In fact, with something like that, it's impossible to keep the murmurs down. Sure. And uh, I just hoped the call would come. Uh, Ian and I, I got on the phone and said, hey, have you heard? You know? uh, and uh, because they'd left a window open for, for Magneto and, sure. and uh, Xavier to come back. Um, that is, if you stayed to the end of the credits of we Star all Trek Three. <laughs> no, you'd be amazed how many people didn't. They go, there was what? <laughs> oh yeah, there was. Thanks to all these Marvel movies, nobody gets out of their chairs. Uh, if there's one great thing from these comic book movies, people know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, leave it to your peril. Exactly. Um, so there were murmurs, and you. Yeah, yeah, and and I was hoping that the murmurs were true, yeah. and that and that there would be a way we could come back because. They, they were such grand experiences. Um, I mean, uh, and you know, we, we started out as an ensemble, perhaps, uh, you know, like w with Star Trek. There were, we had two star actors in that original cast, and the only actors that really had got a reputation were LeVar Burton and, um, and uh, um, uh, what was the kid's name? I always forget. Oh. He was Wesley Crusher. <laughs> he wasn't Mr. called Will Wesley Wheaton? Crusher. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's Stand By Me Kid. Mr. Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, the, they were the two people they had heard of. Sure. Well, uh, Halle was a, a big and weighty name right, uh, right, right then when we began right. the first one. And, uh, Hugh barely got an, even into the cast. He we'd was been the last shooting one. for a couple of weeks when this nice-looking Australian guy turned up and said, Oh, I'm here. To, I'm, I'm doing a screen test. You know, you're never going to see it. When he came back, I remember him saying he did the screen test, came back to have another cup of coffee with us, and he said, Well, you're never going to see me again. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, thank goodness he was uh, totally wrong about that. <laughs> what an amazing career. What an he amazing actor. Is, um, is your sense that uh, obviously they're going to do yet another X-Men film uh, that's already been announced, that you're going to be back for another one? or the, the, This thing, Armageddon, is it called? Is it Apocalypse? Apocalypse. 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 Yeah, it kind of means the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> Apocalypse. Um, I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. um, that is one of the blessings about, about fantasy and science yeah. fiction. You're never really... Adam. Certainly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Ian and I would love to come back and, and, yeah. and do some more. And there might be something else. A little bird has whispered that there might be something else Star, uh, Star Trek related. <laughs> There'll be nothing else Star Trek related, <laughs> but something X-Men related. Cool. But, yeah, it's, um, it's, it was great a year ago when we, it was November, December when we filmed Match um, to be wearing trousers 
and shoes and sweaters and refreshing shirts and make, <laughs> making cups of coffee and you know ordinary life um, uh, and it's it, that had been absent for too long yeah. in in my career um, not having to think in these huge epic terms always or huge epic language for example sure um, uh, no, speaking everyday ordinary although very nice dialogue. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious, the last, you mentioned this amazing run you and, and, and Ian had the last five, six months here. Um, you two, the world fell in love with the two of you as a couple, <laughs> like, like I've never seen before. It must have shocked you and must have amused both of you to no end. To we s- didn't expect that. We hoped we would attract attention to what we were doing. Sure. But Obliquely, I mean, the, the, you you cannot say it was a hard sell that we, that, you know, it was. In fact, a number of people said, "What is this? Go go and D do NYC? I don't understand it because uh, it's the name of our character right. in the play, Go Go Um We wanted to experiment, and it was an experiment. Yeah. I don't think anything quite like this had been tried before. To open up the idea of our two plays in rep to a wider and bigger audience um, and people who would know us from Magneto and Xavier and uh, what's that other <laughs> Lord of the Rings oh, that Gandalf, that, yeah, Gandalf yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Picard um, <laughs> might be intrigued that the same two actors were on a stage right there on 48th Street um, okay maybe doing one play people had heard of but not the other one right. and all I can say is that when every night when we came out to the stage door and, and there were it was amazing a lot of people there a lot of young people every night we would uh, uh, we would uh, remind one another of how many people from Australia from Brazil yep. from China had come to see these plays um, from all over South America and we there's no way of knowing that what part our little Twitter campaign had in letting people know this is what's going on. But we had fun doing it. It was my wife's idea. She, she dreamed up the idea of Gogo and Didi to NYC. <laughs> and uh, we were about to go out. We went to a favorite um, Mexican restaurant in Park Slope and uh, with a couple of margaritas inside us. Then the whole idea of the iconic places that they are actually essentially tourists, rather naive tourists who are going to see all the (laughs) the famous sites. They just happen to have these bowler hats with them all the time. Um, uh, There were some some photos we never managed to take. It was was our real ambition to go to the Met and stand in front of the famous Magritte painting of the guy with the bowler hat floating blood. got to do that. And I was also convinced, I said, this will take off in such a way that after three weeks um, Bloomberg will know he has to invite Gogo and Didi to the mayor's parlor for, for, <laughs> for a company. And after that, it's the White House. For We're going yeah. to the moon. Yeah. We're taking this all the way. Yeah. <laughs> the Pope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. those, those things never came about. But um, we had a lot of fun. Amazing. And uh, it's it was, it was about fun, and it was it yeah. was that much about fun, and that much about saying, "Hey, we're here." Right. Well, it, it came through, and it, and, and it probably drew a lot of people, as you said. I mean, uh, 
I think to your credit, you've 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 done this throughout your career. I mean, when when you brought a Christmas Carol uh, to the stage uh, many years ago, I was I was a teenager here in New York and I hadn't seen much theater. And through Star Trek, I probably went to see I wanted to see what Patrick yeah. Stewart was doing, and I and that was one of my early exposures to the theater. Really? Yeah. Brave man. <laughs> it was a great performance. Thank you. I saw it many times. Wow! Thank you very much. <laughs> I I'm. There, there is a strong possibility, if other things don't get in the way, that there might be just one last farewell appearance. I'll be there uh, <laughs> in New York and, and there and thereabouts. Amazing this this year. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to ask something else, and I had a really clever answer for it. But then you didn't ask it, and oh, so no. of what was the, the question going to be? What was your you know what your clever answer was going to be? It was then you you brought up. Uh, you brought up uh, a Christmas Carol. I, I derailed us. I apologize. Um, any further thoughts on on you and, and and Ian doing anything else together? Have you considered? I mean, we did some talkbacks mm -hmm. while we were doing uh, No Man's Land uh, on a Thursday night for five weeks. The four of us would appear on stage, and once with our director Sean Mathias, and uh, the audience would ask us questions. Uh, we decided to make it about the Pinter because that was the least well-known play, and, right. and people had th th there were a lot of things they felt didn't make sense and they wanted to know. Um, Ian, w when people would say why, why these two plays, and Ian had this great response to this, which was a truthful one, that there are lots of plays with one great male role, and if you're lucky, one great female role. Right. There are very few plays with two great male roles. And, of course, our loss, but there were no female roles in either of our two plays. Now, if we'd been uh, Mark Rylance, we would have we would have <laughs> right, just ignored put on, that. Put on a wig and we, we would have put on skirts anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, that was one of my regrets. that, that we ne I never got to see Mark shows. That, uh, well, Another genius there. actor. He's yeah, phenomenal. So... Um, We've talked about this. There, there is another play mm. that has that. In fact, John Gilgan and Ralph Richardson also did together. Who they created the roles that Ian and I played in No Man's Land, a play called Home. It's 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 about uh, uh, people who live in a in a a, a retirement home. Mm. And um, as Ian has pointed out, that would be a very appropriate <laughs> play for the, for the two of us to do. Please never retire, um, sir. I don't know. It it's. What I do know is that this experience of these past, because it, it was a nine, ten month commitment, longer, because we also co-produced the play and were investors in it too. Sure. We broke the cardinal rule of show Don't business. put your own money in. Don't never put your own <laughs> money into your own shows. Um, uh, the whole relationship, because we, we decided very early on, we want to do this with American actors. Yeah. We don't want to have four Brits coming over saying, hey, this is how we do it. <laughs> we do it like this. Uh, so we got two fabulous, brilliant actors, and um, we were an ensemble in the yeah. company, and I miss those two guys. Ian, I will see, because we, we live on opposite sides of the river in London, and um, but doing these plays cemented our friendship, yeah. and partly prodded along by the by the the bromance of the Twitter <laughs> campaign, and it's um, it's a wonderful thing uh, in your seventies to find that there is someone yeah. uh, you can grow that close to.
which is an entirely platonic relationship, <laughs> um, although I love the guy. And uh, it would be nice to think that we would find something else to do. Well, maybe it'll just be one more X-Men movie. Let's make it happen, please. Um, coming out of Match, uh, talking about the film career, what, so is there a criteria? Is there, are there specific roles, projects that you're looking for? Or are you, when you mentioned that also another new part of your life in the last five, ten years, and even more recent, is this comedy career, which is amazing. I think back, to, I, don't know what, I don't know what you consider the turning point for that. Was it, I mean, I think back to extras, which still yeah, makes yeah. me... I, I think you put your finger on it. Um, uh, when that call came through, and, and I, I, I did actually get a call from Ricky Gervais, and I was in the market doing some shopping. And I have a good friend who does great impersonation. I said, oh, I haven't said this voice. Hello, it's Ricky. It's Ricky Gervais. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you might know I'm doing this show about her. All you have to do is giggle a lot on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I knew a little about, about uh, what he was doing because I'd, I'd been working on a series with the actress who played his friend right. in the movie. And uh, he explained what he said, uh, there's no script, I can't show you anything, but if you say you'll do it, then we'll write a script. But you're just going to have to take it you know, on trust because we'd like to shoot it next week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that one morning, well, I actually worked two mornings, but the, the scene in the trailer um, was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. I had watched Ricky in the <laughs> office and I, I'd never seen a style of comedy like that that was so essentially serious. Right. Nothing. There's no uh, wink to the audience. No, yeah. nothing, nothing at all. Uh, deeply serious and deeply real, truthful. Right. And I thought, uh -huh, well, maybe this is the tone that we need to take here. Uh, which was fine for me, but not for Ricky. Uh, you've probably seen the outtakes of, oh. of him. You know, it was a knife. S Stephen Merchant finally he was ordered out of the trailer, and Stephen read the lines off camera because we were getting we were getting nowhere. He said, "I said, listen, I said, Ricky, Ricky, knickers, 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 knickers. <laughs> it's not funny anymore." And he said, "No, no, no, it's funny because it begins with K." <laughs> and I said, "What?" He said, "It's words that begin with K." I said, "But it's pronounced knickers." <laughs> It doesn't matter. It's so funny. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, I think it was... Uh, I watched that and thought, ooh, maybe there's something here that I can do. Um, and then I did, I did one funny or die thing that, about the Olympics that I really enjoyed. And then um, uh, uh, John Stewart has asked yeah. me to do yeah. a couple of things yep. with him. And, and then... Um, uh, Stephen Colbert had me go in and uh, and do this uh, this uh, crazy Southern guy yeah. uh, about Obamacare and it's uh, and then of course how can I not mention American Dad and Seth MacFarlane right so there is there is a, a project quite far advanced about which I cannot speak but which I hope maybe in a month or so might might finally be announced which would be indeed. Kind of with the seriousness of of extras in the office, okay. um, but with an undertow of absurdity and, and comedy that I'm hoping comes about because it will. I've never done a half hour, right? Except as a guest, I did. And actually, you know what it was? It was actually Frasier. You guessed it on Frasier. I and did. What about LA, LA Story? I think about your character in that. That was a great moment. 
you think with a bank account like yours, you can have the duck. You, you have, can have a piece of bread and a salad. <laughs> you have no idea of what you've just done for me. <laughs> it was a funny movie, was it? Oh, my God. It was a very funny movie. Yeah, the maitre d' from hell. Yeah. Oh, mm. I, I think I might start crying. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, and, then, and then I got this invitation. Again, a very straight role in, in the last season of Frasier. Right. And... Um, uh, and it was terrifying, actually. I mean, a live audience and and, and right. all those guys—they, you know, they got it all nailed so brilliantly. And I was <laughs> <laughs> so. What, what, so what, these uh, things have, have, have accumulated. Does anything frighten you? Does anything like uh, you mentioned being in front of a studio audience? What probably fifteen years ago for Fraser, and maybe you know getting you a little bit on edge. But you've done so much stage work. You've obviously been in some of the biggest movies ever. What, if anything, does? <laughs> Put you on edge. I can tell you, I am scared about tomorrow night, of opening night, of a premiere. Yeah, I I have never, I've never had a movie in a festival or a cinema in which I have been the principal character around which the film hangs. I know what the film is. I know what it's like. I know how it works. Um, I. I don't know what people will make of it. And tomorrow night I'm going to be sitting, hopefully, with a, a lot of other people, I hope. And, uh, and I will find out. But find out when there's nothing that I can do about it right. either way. And I, I, I emailed Carla and Matt this afternoon and said, hey guys, I'm really scared. <laughs> can I hold your hands all the way through? Can we just sit there and hold hands all the way through the movie? Because... It is the, that feeling of helplessness. Yeah. It's, it's done. And, you know, it's like uh, I used to watch... I have always made myself watch work that I've done on film and television, particularly at the beginning, because in my day as a drama student, they didn't teach film technique. They didn't teach television technique. Right, right. Because really nobody expected to work in film or television. You know, that, that was a rarity. You were trained to be in the theater. Um, so I, I made myself watch things and, and, if possible, watch them with people who were more experienced than me and have them critique what I was doing. Um, I mean, Brian Singer is one of the... I remember in the, in the first movie, he kept saying, shh, shh, shh hmm. quiet, quiet, quiet. You don't, we can hear you. You don't have to be so big. So <laughs> and, and it's... Um, it, I, 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 feel, I feel I'm learning still about cameras. Interesting. Uh, I, 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 you know, I sit and watch Mac and I give myself notes and I think, Shh, next time you will not do anything like that, Patrick. And, you know, it's... Well, I would think there's, with a character like that and a story like this, there's, there's a m- more vulnerability to the whole, to, the, to what you're putting on screen. I mean, with these kind of ginormous films, you're even if you're the star, you're part of such a mechanism, yeah, and you're true. and you're you can not to hide behind something, but you are part of a bigger machine. Yeah, and what you your role is kind of very clearly, and I mean this in the best possible way, narrowly defined. You have a function. It's a function. Yes. As Xavier, I have a function yes. in the film, and and you wouldn't want n- n- nobody, Lawrence Ulladonna, Brian wouldn't want you to depart from that role. Right. You can't experiment in. The, no, you, you know, there's a, there are there are parameters to it. Um, I don't. 
mind the, the, the exposure. I, in fact, often when I'm most comfortable on camera is when I can experience things and know that I'm experiencing them truthfully and, and honestly and relate them to my own life and world and so forth. It, it, it's not that. They're, they're mostly technical. Right. Huh. I've got a habit of fiddling my fingers, and there's one really important scene at the end of the movie. That, I mean, Stephen should not have let me do this. And the, the, the camera is cutting round about my wrists, so my wrists are kind of twitching. What you can't see is that because of the scene I'm playing, I'm, I'm, I'm very nervously playing with my hands, but all you can see are these twitching wrists. <laughs> and, and, and jittery you know, arms. I should have asked, you know, where's the bottom of the frame? And, right. and, uh, and, and I didn't. It's like we were watching, um, um, we were watching the cyclist Lance Armstrong yeah. the other day. Uh, being the, the, the you know the wonderful documentary. Right? Yes, Armstrong Why? Ghastly, yeah, great. Famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was one interview he did where he was so controlled and calm, and everything was going well for him. And his hands were doing this, were absolutely just kind of twisting <laughs> around with something with intense emotion. And uh, but you know, you've got to know when you can use that and when you can't. So I, 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 there's a lot of technical stuff I have to learn. Uh, in our remaining moments, uh, I had this uh, weird, creepy uh, Indiana Jones hat full of random questions. Would you indulge me, sir? Grab a question or two? Absolutely. Let's see. Let's hope they're good. If they're not good, just throw it away. There we go. Patrick Stewart diving into the indie hat. What do you like on your hot dog? <laughs> um, I, I assume that's not a euphemism. Take it however you wish. Okay. <laughs> um, this says a lot about a man. We're talking about actual hot dogs. Okay. How much does it say about a man if he tells you that he really doesn't, doesn't like, like hot dogs? That's okay. That's fine. It makes me not American, doesn't it? <laughs> Get out of my you, city. You know, <laughs> you know when you go for your citizenship test, one thing you do is eat a hot dog? Is that part oh, of the yeah. test now? You eat a hot dog and, um, and uh, peanut butter. <laughs> I would fail both of them. Oh, miserably. no. How um, sad. If I have to eat a hot dog, yes. uh, English mustard, Coltman's mustard. Interesting. Okay. I have introduced my wife to Coleman's mustard. She's a great cook. I'm not and familiar. A what, serious foodie. What kind of a mustard? Like is that it's a, yellow? It comes in a jar with a. I red, know what mustard is. But this is really <laughs> strong, really powerful. Like a and Dijon mustard. So, is similar to no, no. Dijon is kind of girly. <laughs> this is this is man's the hard mustard. Stuff. And <laughs> they she, mix bourbon in it. I swear to you, she is so taken to this okay. that she will look at a menu, and I know what she's looking at is. What would go with mustard? <laughs> because she'll first say, do you have mustard? Okay, good. Right, I'll choose something. That I <laughs> She's brought New York to your life. You've brought mustard to hers. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? No brainer. <laughs> what is, wait, wait. You're going uh, with Lord, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah, sure, I, I, sure. Only because um, I did try to read the Harry Potter books, and I really struggled. Lord of the Rings, in fact, the, and, and The Hobbit. Uh, were books I read again and again and again. Did they ever come to you for any of those roles in War of the Rings? No. <laughs> Sorry. Or did they come to Ian McKellen? <laughs> but he went after it? What? what are they he thinking? just showed up on set? No, they didn't. N but Ian, Ian's not in... Oh, oh, you mean Lord of the Rings. Of the Sorry, Rings. I was thinking Harry Potter. Oh, okay, got it. Not that I'm upset about not being in Harry Potter, no. and nor is Ian. I can speak but it would have been nice to be asked. Just at least, you know. People. 
No respect. I mean, just think of the audiences we would have brought. It in. actually would have made money, maybe. Because you know, they, they, they were struggling. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, Lord. I used to know a lot of Danny Kaye movies. But which movie do you know by heart? Uh, my brother and I were obsessed with Danny Kaye movies. Sure. Like Walter Mitty and... and um, God, I suddenly can't think of what other Danny Kay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh is a good the one. court jester. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. The Were vessel you? with the pestle has the pellet with the poison. The chalice from the palace is the brew that is true. Isn't it amazing yes. the things that still stick? Um, <laughs> on the waterfront, changed my life oh. when I was 13. Ilya Kazan, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a piece of genius. Did you ever meet Brando? I was invited to meet him. I, I, somebody worked on Star Trek who was a friend, mm. and I was telling her how I was obsessed with this movie, and I'd managed to meet Eva Marie Saint and Carl Malden and, um, and work with, um, uh, come on, help me out. Oh, uh, wait, uh, so for the actors in the film, Eva Marie yeah. Saint, uh, Marlon Brando, Carl Malden, oh, Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger. Yes. The first time I ever saw a film camera was shooting a scene with Rod Steiger in the back of a car in which I had to, is that weird? That's amazing. Um, was he an intense presence, Mr. Steiger? He, uh, seems. he, he was, he is my benchmark for intensity. Really? Um, he shot me in the scene. It was a very short, very short <laughs> scene. Uh, we had a struggle over the gun. He shot me. I died, slumped over in the backseat of the car. There was a, a moment's pause when he got the driver to stop. And then he leapt out of the car. Moments before he moved, I, as I was lying there dead, I felt this energy coming off him before he he went for the door. Something else wonderful happened on that movie. Can I tell you this? Please. Um, I was, I, I, it was my first movie. I had a tiny role. I'm in a scene with Rod Steiger. And um, we filmed all morning in the back of this car camera. And uh, the assistant director said... Uh, Okay, um, Rod, that's a wrap on you for the moment. You can go to lunch, and, um, and we'll just finish off here, and then we'll, we'll pick up. We'll start with the next scene after lunch. And Rod said, uh, what about uh, Patrick? He said, oh, no, no, it's okay. We're doing his coverage. Uh, uh, somebody will read in. And Steiger, he was sitting in a chair, got up and said, what the fuck do you think I am? Do you think I walk my trailer and let this and it was all over me, so I felt responsible Amazing. for this. You know? Like practically a day player just helping out. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, literally a day player. Yeah. And he said, how dare you send me to my trailer when I've got off-camera lines for this actor. He called me an actor. And uh, anyway, so when we shot the scene, he said, what are you doing for lunch? And I said, uh, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a craft service. And he said, bring it to my trailer. Come on. And uh, so... Um, I had an hour of his company, and I decided, okay, this may be the last opportunity. So I said, uh, can I just ask a couple of questions about... <laughs> and, and he was the kind of person that didn't mind being asked questions, so I grilled him about his role in... Uh, and also about uh, The Pawnbroker, which is one of my favorites. Sure. And in fact, turned out, I said, which, which, which role matters most to you? And he said it was The Pawnbroker. Amazing. Amazing. It's wonderful.
Well, I feel like the shoe's on the other foot today. I feel like you, you, I snuck you into my trailer and picked your brain for about an hour. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> and this was meant to be a sort of three-minute interview. No, I, I, uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, Match is a, is a great piece of work. Patrick. Oh, okay. and, uh, and I know uh, people will. You should have no nerves. You will be among friends, and I know people are going to uh, love your work and, and, and the work of the others. My wife has promised me a Valium. <laughs> if I'm really good. Thank you very much.